Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you again on another episode of Vitality Radio. I'm going to talk about health, health freedom, alternatives to drugs and surgeries, and we're going to hit hard two things that might be very interesting to you. We're going to talk about the opiate crisis or opioid crisis, depending on who you ask. And we're going to talk about medical marijuana in Utah and what's happening since Prop 2 passed almost a year ago now. I I get people at Vitality Nutrition asking me all the time, you know, what's going on with this Prop 2 thing? I thought we passed medical marijuana. Where are the dispensaries? And uh, yeah, that's a good question. So I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about some natural things you can do for chronic pain if you'd like to avoid uh, opiates, which you certainly want to do. And if you're not necessarily sold on the whole marijuana thing, we'll talk about alternative things that are currently available and legal right here in Utah for your pain relieving, your use as pain relievers, I guess I should say. Okay, so we got to get into it today. And today is going to be a show that I think you might really like, especially if you're a fan of my rants, because it's going to be a whole lot of ranting today. It'll take up, oh, I think it might be almost the whole show. And uh, it's going to have a lot to do with opiates, going to have a lot to do with government and their intervention in our health and health care. And we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff like that. I think it'll be interesting to you. We've got a lot of really revealing stuff that I believe you need to hear. So I'm excited to bring it to you. But first, I do have a couple of things that I want to talk about because for uh, five, six, seven weeks now, maybe, maybe two months, I don't know, time flies. I keep thinking I need to talk about this stuff, even if it's just for a couple minutes on the radio, because you need to know about it. Now, if you've listened to Vitality Radio a lot, you hear me talk about xenoestrogens. These are the fake estrogens that we get from uh, petrochemicals. They they come out of our car exhaust. They come from the four refineries that are just right down the street from where this show is broadcast and right down the street the other direction from where Vitality Nutrition is and where I grew up. And we also get them from makeup, skincare stuff deodorants and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Glade plugins, anything with a scent, scentsy candles. Uh, I should say any synthetic scent. Uh, essential oils are a different story, but any of that kind of stuff, hairspray, uh, face creams, and so on and so on and so on. These xenoestrogens really mess with us. They're in many cases carcinogenic, meaning they can cause cancer, uh, but they also disrupt the hormones, make it harder for women uh, when it comes to their monthly cycle, uh, make it harder for women uh, who are menopausal when it comes to things like hot flashes and night sweats and stuff like that. They mess with men's testosterone levels. There's all kinds of bad, not a lot of good with these petrochemicals. So I don't use very many of them. I have a fairly chemical-free house now. I There's almost no chemicals used in cleaning or gardening or lawn care or on my body, any of that kind of stuff. And one thing that I have never found anything I liked all that much, and this might sound funny because there's tons of them out there, but I've never found a lotion that I really liked a whole lot. Now, I don't use a ton of lotion. I uh, don't tend to get super dry skin. But for some reason, over the last few years, and this might sound really funny, but I, you know, I just try and tell it like it is on Vitality Radio. I don't know what it is. I like to shower at night. I have this thing about being kind of sticky, you know, whatever uh, moisture is in the air. I know we live in the desert. I get it. But if I'm laying in bed and my legs are sticking together just a little bit because there's just been a little bit of perspiration throughout the day or whatever it is. I don't do well with that. So I shower a lot at night. And when I shower at night, for some reason, my hands 
get really dry. Just the palms of my hands and fingertips and stuff like that. The rest of me, pretty good. But I used to put all kinds of different lotions on, but I always felt like they were too greasy or too heavy or they didn't moisturize enough or whatever. That's a really long way of telling you about Organic Fiji. Organic Fiji is a company that, quite frankly, I'm embarrassed that I discovered them so late because I discovered them early, but I never tried it out because I never used to use lotion. So years ago, when Organic Fiji first went into business, I brought in the product at Vitality. It sat there. We didn't really ever sell it much. We discontinued it. Boom, gone. Uh, A year ago-ish, I was at a trade show, and I bumped into these Organic Fiji guys again, and uh, basically bummed a sample off of them and thought, you know, I'm going to give this stuff a try for this dry hand stuff. And then it was like, oh, my gosh, it's amazing. I love this lotion. And it's not just me. Everybody at Vitality, we've all tried all the natural ones. We've tried a bunch of the synthetic ones. There's not a better lotion. I really don't believe there is. It's called Organic Fiji. That's the brand. It comes in an unscented for people that are sensitive to, to smells. All of the scents that are in the lotion are natural. You don't need to worry about that. And it comes in one scent that I love above all others, pina colada. Smells amazing, not super strong, but just right. And it moisturizes like no lotion I've ever used. I use it on my hands and I put it on my head after I shave my head and I love it. So organic Fiji lotion. It's now available at Vitality. You can come in and test it out. We've got testers there, and they do have amazing soap, too. So for what it's worth, there you go. If you're looking for a great chemical-free moisturizing option, Organic Fiji is the one for you. Okay, so there you go. A few promotional things. And now it is once again time for the morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. Okay. Well, I've talked about opiates before. And now I have to talk about them again because something new, a few new things are in the news. So let's uh, get into this by just talking about a couple of statistics that have come out of this new report that was released by the Washington Post. Uh, They unveil a number of problematic trends. For starters, the database shows that the country's pharmaceutical companies have sold 76 billion oxycodone and hydrocodone pills between 2006 and 2012. 76 billion pills in a six-year period. During that same time period, roughly 100,000 people have died from complications related to opiates and opiate addiction. They call it the opioid crisis, and there's finally something being done about it. What's happening? Well, Johnson & Johnson, you know the people that brought you No More Tears, baby chemical cancer-causing shampoo? Wait, that's not what it's fully called. That's what it should be called. It is very, very dangerous shampoo. Don't ever put Johnson & Johnson, No More Tears, anywhere near any child that you love. If you need a good one that is awesome, it'll clean your baby, it'll smell great, it's not expensive, and it's not loaded with garbage, We've got your alternative at Vitality, and then this came out of nowhere because I was going to talk about Johnson & Johnson for a whole other reason. But anyway, don't buy No More Tears. I brought you a whole big expose on how garbagey that stuff is, oh, maybe a couple of years ago on the show. But uh, public service announcement, don't buy No More Tears shampoo for your child or grandchild. It is horrible, chemical-ridden just vile stuff that you do not want on that beautiful baby's skin, I promise you. But in other Johnson & Johnson news, because these guys, for some reason to me, Merck, Pfizer, 
Eli Lilly. They have this kind of big bad name. They they are easily lumped in with Big Pharma, but for some reason Johnson and Johnson never felt like a Big Pharma company to me. Well, they are. They are very very much a Big Pharma company. It just didn't feel like it to me uh, until I started exposing all the garbage that they do, and they're just as evil as the rest of them. The state of Oklahoma has been going after the drug companies at the center of the opioid epidemic. And on Monday, this is actually a couple weeks ago now, state attorneys won their first case, a civil suit against Johnson & Johnson. Now, Judge Thad Balkman ruled in favor of the state of Oklahoma after a seven-week trial, finding that Johnson & Johnson's marketing practices fueled a statewide opioid crisis that claimed the lives of more than 6,000 people. As part of Judge Balkman's decision, Johnson & Johnson must pay $572 million to the state of Oklahoma. Immediately after the ruling, the drug company issued a statement vowing to appeal the decision. Of course they did. $572 million, that sounds like a lot. Well, they started off trying to get $17 billion, the state of Oklahoma did, and Johnson & Johnson, of course, fighting vigorously on the other side. They got it all the way down to just $572 million, and that might sound like a lot or it might sound like a drop in the bucket. I don't know. We do know that Johnson & Johnson, Johnson and Johnson have made billions off of opiates, and so $572 million is still a drop in the bucket by comparison to their profits. But uh, Judge Balkman uh, said this about the ruling, the opioid crisis is an imminent danger and a menace to Oklahomans. The prosecutors showed that uh, Oklahomans uh, are suffering from worsening rates of addiction, increasing overdose deaths, and rising rates of neonatal abstinence syndrome. And they linked that data to Johnson & Johnson's marketing of the opioid painkillers called Duragesic and Nucenta. The state met its burden of proof, according to the judge, and proved that Johnson & Johnson was uh, engaged in the misleading marketing and promotion of opioids. Now, the good news here, the best news, because the $572 million, unfortunately, is just not enough money to put a real dent in Johnson & Johnson. And they may appeal it, it may get lower, I don't know, but it is the first time, the first time in the United States that a judge has held a pharmaceutical company responsible for the ongoing opioid epidemic. And that means that the ruling could set an important precedent for thousands of other cases pending against drug companies across the United States. Now, that is what we need. And I'll tell you, it's happening in, a, in a, some really interesting places. We have had just not too long ago... Uh, Weeks ago, I think probably within a month, uh, I brought to you on Vitality Radio the eighty-nine mil or sorry billion dollar ruling for the guy in California who uh, got cancer uh, and proved that it was due to his use of Roundup as a uh, gardener in the school system there. And we're seeing now that these lawyers are actually uh, well, I guess they're doing some good, and that's hard to say about. Uh, trial lawyers. But yeah, they're starting to hold some of these companies accountable for their sins, so to speak. But to put this whole thing in perspective, I think it's important. There was a number that I really, really liked. It was estimated that opiates had stolen 250,000 years of life expectancy in Oklahoma over just that six-year period, 2006 to 2012. Now, obviously, when I say like that number, I don't like that number. But it, I think it's an important number to give an idea of what that means. You know, when 6,000 people die over a six-year period, think of just 9-11, where we lost about 3,000 people because of the way it happened, because of, you know, all the politics of it and everything else. It's, it's looked at as this major tragedy, and of course it was a horrible tragedy. But 6,000 people just in Oklahoma over a six-year period, and we don't think about it that much. We don't think about how tragic that is. And what's worse is the way these people die. Think about the death of an addict. 
Now, some people that die from opiates actually die from an overdose that isn't uh, intentional suicide or whatever. It's There's different ways this can happen. But think about the life of an addict, because six out of seven new heroin users were originally prescribed prescription opiates. So think of the life of a heroin addict, and then think of that life being snuffed out early. 6,000 such lives just in the state of Oklahoma over just a six-year period. It is disgusting. It is vile to think about how this is happening because we have to recognize at some point that this is a tragedy that uh, and an epidemic that is the the size of which is it's massive. I've talked about it. Less people have died in wars for this country than just in the opioid uh, epidemic uh, as since it kind of started back in the late 90s. So we're talking about some real tragic stuff here, and it's about time that these drug companies got held accountable. It's not just Johnson & Johnson, right? Do you remember the Sackler family? I brought you uh, information about those sacks. These people own Purdue Pharma and a, a lesser-known company, Rhodes Pharma, both of which their biggest sellers are opiates. In fact, they opened up Rhodes Pharma when Purdue Pharma was being caught lying and cheating to get uh, OxyContin on the market. And years later, they found out that they lied and cheated and all kinds of other stuff. So they opened up Rhodes Pharma as another company just in case they would have to close Purdue. That's how much trouble they were in or thought they might be in. Well, now they're in probably even more trouble than they were then. But these guys marketed hard to doctors and patients that OxyContin was a long-acting pain reliever with minimal likelihood of addiction. And we know that that's not anywhere close to true. And they knew it then, too. Internal documents show that. But to give you an idea of how low and disgusting these people are, during the hearings that are currently going on in New York City, where, sorry, New York State, I guess it is, where the Purdue Pharma and the Sackler family are being sued by the attorney general there, they brought a document forth, and I'm looking at it right now. It's a diagram. It's a blue funnel. It's big at the top, and it says pain treatment. Smaller at the bottom, and it says opioid addiction treatment. It says on this picture... Purdue should consider expansion across the pain and addiction spectrum. Pain treatment and addiction are naturally linked. Now, this is an internal document during a sales meeting at Purdue Pharma where it is being presented as something called Project Tango. It sounds like a, a military thing. Project Tango, Purdue Pharma, a sales meeting, they presented this funnel and said, what we need to do because pain treatment and addiction are naturally linked. By the way, this is from 2013, and then they brought it back up in 2016. All of this happened a good six years after Purdue Pharma was originally caught and fined for their marketing of OxyContin. So they already knew they had a highly addictive drug that they were making billions of dollars on, and they also knew that it was addicting people. And so now their answer was, we need to get into the addiction recovery market. Uh, we need to start uh, getting into uh, Noxalone and so on and so forth. So they say that um, the presentation can happen, what does it say? Opioid addiction, this is part of the presentation. Opioid addiction can happen to anyone from a 50-year-old woman with chronic lower back pain to an 18-year-old boy with a sports injury from the very wealthy to the very poor. So that's the Sackler family. They are being just torn apart. And it's, it, I hate to say it, I don't like to wish ill will on anybody. There are certain people who deserve what's coming to them. The Sacklers are one such family. And what's happening that I find 
pretty amusing, I have to say. They uh, are known, the Sackler family, for being philanthropists. They've got their names all over museums and, you know, wings at universities and all kinds of other stuff that they've done. One of them was knighted by the Queen of England. Isn't that amazing? And so on and so forth. So they're a very well-known family. They're worth something like $13 billion. And now people won't accept their donations. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they won't name any of their buildings after them or anything like that. And apparently there's some pretty serious internal rifts among the family. And this uh, thing that brought them all together and made them all rich is tearing them apart. And uh, yeah, it's about time. But before I close this part of the rant, and I say this part of the rant because we're going to shift from what's happening in Oklahoma and in New York to what's happening in Utah uh, after uh, we talk about this for a little bit. But to close this part of the rant, there's a couple of things that came to me as I was prepping for the show. In fact, this is the last thing I wrote in my notes before I uh, got on the air here. And there's three things, and they're all linked. So I'm just going to read them in order of kind of how they popped into my head. While the drug companies are clearly partly responsible for the opioid crisis, they are not alone. They may be the bank robbers, but the FDA drove the getaway car for all those years. Now, what do I mean by that? What's that analogy? Well, it's pretty simple, really. You know, the guy who cracks the safe and the guys who hold the guns on all of the people in the bank, they're the really bad guys, right? They're the really, you know, they're the violent criminals. Uh, They're going to shoot somebody if they move or say the wrong thing. But there's always that getaway driver outside that kind of helps them get away with it. Well, that's the FDA. The FDA is incredibly culpable here, and yet they will not pay any fine. They will not, uh, nothing will happen because it's a government entity. They they just do what they do, and they're basically autonomous. It's absolutely sick. But these are the people who approved OxyContin. These are the people who allow the pharmaceutical companies to advertise the way that they do, misleading, misguiding, lying to doctors and patients. They're the ones that allow drug companies to market their drugs directly to consumers. There's only two countries in the world that allow prescription drugs to be marketed directly to consumers. It's absolutely ridiculous and it has to stop. All of that is under the FDA's purview. So they are the getaway driver. They are the ones that allow these big pharma criminals to get away with everything they're getting away with. They're the ones that put drugs on the market too soon in many cases, take them off the market way too late, allow them to be marketed in ways that are absolutely false and misleading to the general public and to the doctors prescribing them. They need to be held accountable as well. Number two thought that came to me. We cannot trust Big Pharma. We simply can't afford to. Over and over again, they prove themselves to be liars, cheats, and motivated by only one thing, and that is the almighty dollar. And number three, we cannot trust government to protect our health or health freedoms. In fact, it has been my experience in the 11 years that I've done Vitality Radio that when government agencies, including the the FDA, the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, the World Health Organization from the UN. When they make recommendations for your health, they are usually wrong. And more often than not, they're being unduly influenced by the very people who profit from the drugs and vaccines that they recommend. It is important that we understand this. For some reason, I've talked about it before, there is a disconnect. There is a significant disconnect in the minds of many people here in this country that has us distrusting government in a significant way. We don't trust the Republicans. We don't trust the Democrats. We don't trust the last president, Obama, and now we don't trust the current President Trump. And even though Trump is, you know, polar opposite of Obama, you got half the country that loves him, half the country hates him, and generally speaking, nobody likes Congress. So, If that's how we feel, why do we continue to put our faith in the government to give us good advice about our health? We have to recognize 
at some point that they either don't know or they don't care or they're bought and paid for by the lobbyists who push all this stuff down their throats. And regardless of what level that falls down on, it's all, in the end, the result is very simple. They give us bad advice for our health, and they've been doing it for longer than I've been alive. We have to recognize, once and for all, our health is at stake, right? It's a big deal. More important than anything you can ever have is good health, at least in my opinion. And it's at stake. And we're leaving the biggest decisions and the influence over the biggest decisions that we'll make for our health in the hands of the government and then just following along blindly like sheep doing what we're told when we don't trust them in any other aspect of our lives. It just doesn't make sense. Think about that and then educate yourself. Don't just follow blindly. Okay, I've got to cut to a break. When I come back, it is part two of the rant. We're going to talk about what's going on with medical marijuana in Utah now after Proposition 2 passed, then got torn to shreds, essentially, and replaced by another bill, and how Prop 2 is kind of coming back now when it comes to medical marijuana. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about how you have, as a member of, uh, sorry, member, <laughs> as a resident of Utah, if you're in Utah, where I'm at, as a resident, you've got someone in the legislature, a big name in the legislature, that is making an absolute ton of money on opiates. And we'll find out who he is and what he has to do with medical marijuana legislation in Utah when we come back. My name is Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blogger online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is we don't just sell supplements. We consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. All righty, welcome back to Vitality Radio. Good to be with you once again. The kids are all back in school and kind of go back to the more the normal grind of life, you know, the nine to five and all that kind of stuff, whatever it is. I try not to look at it as a grind. Actually, most of my days are pretty darn pleasant. I love what I'm able to do. And the thing that I love almost above any of it is bringing you this one hour. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody. Help me build this audience. And we will continue to bring this message to as many people as we can find that want to listen. Now, as I mentioned before the break, uh, actually, when I first started the show, there, there's kind of, uh, I guess, three parts of the show. we got the two rants. We're going to do part two of the rant here in just a second. And then we're going to talk about it at the end of the show. Stay tuned. If you have chronic pain or if you know someone who has chronic pain, 
who needs a relief. If you have chronic anxiety, you know someone who needs a relief from that, there are natural things that can help. We don't necessarily have to fall into the trap of opiates. I get, especially in cases of like end-of-life stuff, that opiates can be an absolute godsend. But in so many cases, they are not necessary. And we know that they're not particularly effective for chronic pain. We got to get away from that as well. So we'll talk about some of the natural alternatives and things that you can do. Let's get back into this part two of the rant. I want to talk about a little snake in the grass that we've discovered here in Utah. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if you agree once I go through this. But there's a guy. His name's Evan Vickers. You ever heard of him? Well, we're going to talk about him because he's quite, he's not quite Sackler family gross, but he's pretty gross. And uh, you'll understand what I mean here in just a minute. Uh, there's a couple of reports here. One of these is from Fox 13. Another one is uh, excerpts from High Times. And we're going to talk about both of them uh, and kind of jump back and forth. But here we go. A potentially explosive report detailing the distribution of pharmaceutical opiates reveals a disturbing connection between Utah's anti-medical cannabis movement and the pharmaceutical industry. Specifically, one of the state's leading anti-legalization policymakers is also one of the state's biggest sellers of opiates. Well, isn't that a coincidence? I mean, I'm 100% sure it's a coincidence. There's no possible way that this guy could possibly be opposed to medical marijuana only because he's making thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on opiates. Is there? Hmm. Let's move on. The revelation has sparked outrage among medical marijuana patients and advocates and people like me and has intensified ongoing tensions surrounding Utah's controversial medical marijuana laws. Now, there are some new stats about opiates that have been made public. Recently, the Washington Post released a trove of federal data related to the distribution of pharmaceutical opiates across the country. Specifically, searchable database tracks who is selling opiates and how much they're selling. Now, according to researcher and writer Angela Baca, Vickers, who owns a chain of pharmacies in southern Utah, distributes 34% of all opiates in Utah's rural Iron County. Vickers' two Cedar City pharmacies sell even more opiates than massive national chains like Walmart. For many medical marijuana advocates in Utah, the sheer number of opiates sold by Vickers is alarming enough. But to make things even worse, it turns out that Vickers has been a leading voice in the fight against medical marijuana in Utah. Specifically, it was him. He was the sponsor of the controversial House Bill 3001. This medical marijuana bill was rammed through in a special legislative session in December of 2018, just two days after a voter-approved initiative went into effect. So, the history here, if you don't recall, Proposition 2, the uh, vote that, that was in front of the people uh, back in November for medical marijuana, passed. And almost immediately, the church and the, the legislatures, including Evan Vickers, and some lawyers and some other anti-marijuana people got together and said, nope. We're going to scrap that, even though the people voted for it. We're going to scrap it. We're going to start over with this one, HB 3001, and it has been nothing but trouble ever since. Let's see here. Uh, get back to the article. Alongside publicly speaking out against Proposition 2, uh, Mormon church representatives began meeting with lawmakers to draft the compromise bill, which ultimately became 3001. Vickers was the bill's floor sponsor. They've put up roadblocks, excuses, and weak-kneed legis legislation, according to uh, the uh, leader of truce, Mrs. Uh, Stenquist. Now, she is 
kind of awesome. In fact, I'm trying to get her on Vitality Radio. I've contacted her, but I haven't heard back yet uh, to talk a little bit more about medical marijuana in Utah. But she's uh, very heavily involved in trying to get the House Bill 3001 to look a whole lot more like Prop 2, meaning something that could actually work uh, here in Utah. Because House Bill 3001, as we talk about in just a minute, I'll show you how it's not working very well at all. Policymakers have made very confusing policy. It's just not where we need it to be, she said. And I believe it's special interests that drive our policies. What I'm concerned about is that special interests are making profit at the expense of our communities. And who would that special interest be? Oh, maybe Evan Vickers. Maybe, yeah. Vickers is behind the restrictiveness for patients, Stenquist told High Times. This is all motivated because Vickers is protecting his bottom line. This is a clear conflict of interest. Special interest legislatures, le legislators like Vickers are writing policies that better their particular industry and put money in their own pockets. That has to stop. And it especially has to stop when we're talking about opiates, okay? I get that there is all kinds of corruption in government, that money talks like crazy, but we're talking about life and death. We're talking about addiction. We're talking about something very, very serious. So it's way beyond the financial benefit of some dirtbag, I mean, some uh, politician here in Utah named Evan Vickers. It's beyond that. It's He's assisting in people getting addicted and dying from opiates. In Cedar City, he sells more opiates than Walmart. I mean, let that sink in for just a minute. And why would he be so opposed to medical marijuana? Oh, probably because it's a gateway drug, huh? That must be what it is. It must be because it's a gateway drug. Because opiates, I mean, we all know that opiates, it's only six of seven new heroin users that started on prescription opiates. So that's not a gateway drug. Oh, but he doesn't seem to be opposed to opiates. In fact, he very much enjoys profiting from selling opiates. So pretty sure it's not the fact that he thinks marijuana might be a quote unquote gateway drug. He really makes a lot of money off of a really great gateway drug every single year. And then he protects his bottom line by fighting competition for that type of drug. We're not talking about small amounts of money here. Now, I don't know how much Vickers is making off of this. That was not made public. All I know is he does 34% of the business of opiate sales in Iron County, which is Cedar City being the biggest part of Iron County. So I don't know if that's hundreds of thousands, millions, uh, tens of thousands. I don't know how much Vickers is making, but it's enough to make him pretty uneasy about medical marijuana becoming legal, which is disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting. He has patients coming to him for painkillers, people in chronic pain, coming in, buying opiates from him, which he apparently markets well to sell as many of them as he does. He knows as well as anybody, because he's had to do a lot of research to fight against medical marijuana in Utah, he knows as well as in anybody that it could get a lot of these people off of opiates. He doesn't care. You got to have money to buy that boat, don't you, Vickers? I mean, why does a guy like Vickers even get into government? Maybe just exactly for that reason. Keep in mind, these people are part-time legislators. Part-time. He's still running his business full-time. He gets into politics for really one of just a few reasons, right? I mean, the reason you're supposed to get into it, that old thing where you're like a statesman, right? And you, you love your country, you love your state, you love your county. That's, you know, I guess that's the most important reason that we would hope all these people would get into politics for. I would anticipate that probably happens less than you might think. People get into politics because, what, pride? They want to be in front of the people? Uh, money? Yeah, yeah, I think it might be money. Money might be the big one. Might be the biggest one. Certainly seems like that's why Vickers is there.
With the kind of money Vickers is making at his pharmacies, it'd be worth it to him to get into politics to protect that money. It's the only thing that makes sense. What kind of money are we talking about here, though? Well, states that have already legalized medical cannabis are already seeing the effects. Prescription drug usage has decreased by an average of 11%. Now, I want this number to be clear because it's really important. It doesn't say prescription painkiller usage. It doesn't say opiate usage. It doesn't say benzodiazepine usage. It says prescription drug usage has decreased by an average of 11%. Vickers doesn't want to lose 11% of the prescription drugs he sells out of his pharmacies. Uh Uh-uh, because he's not going to be one of the ones that owns one of these dispensaries. Can you imagine? I mean, that would be awesome, right? Vickers says, oh, no, we have no medical marijuana, and then he opens up one of the dispensaries. Well, that's not so easy. We're going to learn about that here in a minute, too. But, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty clear. Pretty clear. I mean, all you need to know about Vickers is what the uh, Utah Medical Association knows about him. They named him Legislator of the Year in 2009, and there's not much more crooked organization in Utah than the Utah Medical Association. Yeah, nice job, Vickers. Congratulations. I found a quote. I I really liked it. Uh, Somebody posted it in a comment section underneath this article. (laughs) It says, Alexander Hamilton had some great words that apply perfectly to people like Senator Evan Vickers. I believe you to be either an ignorant, impudent, pretender to what you do not understand or a base servile tool ready to do the dirty work of any knave who will purchase you yeah probably the latter he doesn't seem that naive okay i'm going to cut to one more break i'm going to come back got about 10 minutes left for you of vitality radio maybe a little bit more we're going to get a little bit more into this uh we're going to talk about natural alternatives to opiates for pain, uh, natural alternatives to over-the-counter pain relievers like ibuprofen, Tylenol, stuff like that. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this medical marijuana thing in Utah when we come back. You're listening to me, Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. During this COVID-19 challenge, Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful now offers curbside pickup. Just call 801 292 6662. We will take your order by phone and have it ready when you get to our parking lot. We can also ship product to most of Utah next day. Give us a call at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Thank you. All righty. Welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm your host. My name's Jared St. Clair, and it's good to be with you once again. Love doing this show. Love that you're willing to listen to me. Do it. Thank you so much. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody. Let's build this audience and get more educated people knowing that there are alternatives to drugs and surgeries and the types of things that Senator Evan Vickers sells at his pharmacies in Cedar City. Uh, I might be a little too hard on Vickers today, and, and the only reason I say that is because I feel like, nah, never mind. I haven't been too hard on Vickers. It's fine. Okay, so uh, a couple of things that we know is that uh, this new House bill, 3001, that passed that replaced Proposition 2 has all kinds of flaws in it. I, I wanted to get more into this, but I just don't have time, so I'm, I'm going to very much quickly kind of skim over it, but it's it's kind of, there's some little wins coming. Now, I don't know how you feel about medical marijuana. I have, um, I don't have any mixed feelings about it at all. It should be legal. In fact, I think recreational marijuana should be legal as well uh, for political reasons, mostly. I just think that prohibition doesn't work. It never has worked. The war on drugs is an absolute failure and always has been. And we need to just get rid of most of these restrictions, but especially with marijuana. That's just my political views. 
But if it's going to be medical marijuana only in Utah, at least for now, how about making it actually accessible to the people who need it? Well, the new bill that Vickers was behind, he said, yeah, we're going to have seven dispensaries run by the state. Well, that's the first part. Huge problem. If the state's involved, it's going to be a disaster, right? I mean, it just is, right? Because why wouldn't it be? The government's running it. That means it's going to be inefficient. It's going to be very expensive. They're going to have a monopoly. It's going to be disgusting. But not only that, it would be illegal, at least federally. (laughs) And I brought this point up when Proposition 2 was uh, up for debate before it was voted in, when uh, the uh, attorneys uh, for the church came out against it with their 41 reasons that were mostly full of just garbage, whatever, I talked about it. And it has never made sense at all for the state to be involved with any of the dispensing of this stuff other than just kind of oversight and making sure that things are done correctly, people aren't breaking the law. Aside from that, you got to let private handle it, private uh, companies. Every other state that sells this stuff is doing it. But of course, Utah has to be backwards about the whole thing when it comes to this. So yeah, the state's going to run it because it's just too dangerous. Oh, marijuana is so dangerous. It's so dangerous. It's not that dangerous. It's not that dangerous. Certainly not as dangerous as alcohol and absolutely not as dangerous as opiates, which are being doled out like candy out of Vickers pharmacies in Cedar City among every other pharmacy in this country. And so we have to get away from the demonization of marijuana anyway. But thankfully, because it is still federally illegal to sell marijuana, they found that state employees could potentially be held liable or uh, be for breaking federal law. And so the attorney general said, we can't have state-run dispensaries. So now they're going to have private-run dispensaries. Instead of seven, there's going to be 12. That's not nearly enough. I don't know if 12 sounds like a lot or a little for a state the size of Utah, but people that are in Delta, Utah, probably need a place closer than two hours away to get their medical marijuana and so on. So it's still a mess, but at least it's getting a little closer to Prop 2. And thank goodness for the groups that are still fighting the fight uh, to get this stuff to the people who need it so they don't have to rely on opiates and so on and so forth. And then another thing, everything has to be in a blister pack, in a controlled dose, including buds (laughs) of marijuana. Uh, It looks like that's going to go away from... 3001 as well, uh, is that the blister pack restriction will go away. And that's important because blister packs would have created a a significant increase in cost for one thing, but also a real problem with the actual uh, viability of the plant. Because if it's uh, heated to be put into a blister pack, it could actually ruin uh, some of the medicinal value right out of the gate. So, Those are the two things that are no longer going to happen, it looks like, thank goodness. And supposedly, we will have dispensaries open by March of 2020. It's only about six months. We shall see uh, how that all pans out, but I'll continue to bring you news about it. All right, so I just have a few minutes left, and so let's talk about it. Uh, First off, let's talk about CBD. Now, CBD, of course, is the cousin uh, of, or maybe the brother or sister of of THC. THC is the stuff that's in actual medical marijuana, which is legal in almost every state now, but is technically legal in Utah, but we don't have any way to buy it. So it's, you know, kind of a moot point until they actually get these dispensaries open. But what's interesting and what a lot of people I think don't understand is this. CBD on its own, which is legal throughout the state and which I've been selling at Vitality Nutrition for over four years now, is pretty amazing. There are people that routinely get off of opiates and uh, even more so over-the-counter things like ibuprofen and Tylenol with CBD. You don't have to have the THC to be out of pain. CBD can be extremely effective. Now, some people require THC. Some don't. CBD usually, at the very least, decreases pain and inflammation fairly significantly, whether it has THC with it or not. 
THC can take it over the top. But what's amazing about CBD, you don't get inebriated. You can drive, you can work. All those things are okay. And in many cases, it works very, very well without actually making you high. Uh, so that's important. There are some new CBDs that I'm really excited about. And this is probably the biggest thing about CBD. Be careful where you're buying it. There are so many CBDs on the market, and I am telling you 100%, most of them don't know what they're doing. There are some really good ones out there. There are good ones that I do not sell at Vitality, and I have no problem with competition of other good quality products. But when it comes to CBD, that unfortunately has been the exception, not the rule. There is a lot of garbage CBD out there. And so make sure you're getting a reputable form of CBD. Uh, we only carry two brands of uh, internal use CBD at Vitality. We carry CV Sciences and we carry Solaray. And they're both awesome. We get really great feedback on them. They've got all the proof that I ever needed to prove that they actually know what they're doing and how they produce the stuff and uh, the quality is there. And what I'm very excited about now is Solaray, uh, through their brand, Leaf Therapeutics, they have three different kinds of CBD that are conditioned specific. They have one for sleep, they have one for stress and anxiety, and they have one for pain. And we have had excellent feedback, especially on the stress one, but the pain one um, almost as much as well done really, really well. The sleep one, we haven't done as much with yet, but I anticipate it will uh, continue to grow and do well also. But the pain and the stress ones, people absolutely love. All right, I need to end the show. Uh, I have babbled a little bit too long and that's uh, kind of typical, but I apologize for that. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you understand now a little bit more about the opiate crisis, what's going on with drug companies, what's going on with the FDA, and what's going on with the good old Evan Vickers at the Utah legislature. Uh, yeah, we got our own people right here in Utah causing all kinds of grief for people that have chronic pain, and it's not fun. Write a letter. My name's Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair, produced by elizabeth joy windham with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.